Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers Who Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Helaman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers Who Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group held every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Mountain Time. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first. Then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Good morning. Welcome to Breakfast with Karen. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm thrilled to introduce you to Sandra. I met Sandra for the first time in person yesterday online. She lives in Arizona, and it was just a thrill to meet with her. And you know how you meet people and you just think, you kind of are like me. Like, we we laugh at the same things. And we, anyway, it was just so cool to not just meet her, but also to get to know her through some of the things that, that she does and that I've read about. and. I am so excited for the effort and the passion and the purpose she has put behind her message. And I often say that our mess becomes our message because in every mess, there's a message and a miracle in that mess. It's like a given. You can count on that. And so much of it has to do with our perspective. And Sandra is such an excellent example of this of finding the gratitude and peace amidst things that are hard and her journey to get to that place but now how she feels so driven to share what she's learned with with other women and would come and serve us today i'm so grateful we all are looking for resources and things that we need to help us and we, each of us have a family that is so that we love so deeply and we care about. We put so much time and energy and heart and guts and soul into our families. And our experience with our families is so important to us. And look at this beautiful family, Sandra. That is a gorgeous family. So awesome. Yeah, so beautiful. Anyway, last night I got a really strong impression that I needed to say this today. And it is, 
And I don't mean to take away from Sandra in any way, but I just know, I would hope that if you have something going on at your house that you know, that of course God will lead you to wherever will give you more hope and healing as you trust in him and work on things in your own journey. But I would hope that if you do have something that you're struggling with in your life, that you will check out our programs at Life Changing Services for the whole family. Um, because it was something that as I was trying to figure out the hard things in my family, the wounds that we had and myself and how incredibly sick I had become because of those things, it was wonderful to finally find a resource that not only had a lot of power and truth in it, but it also aligned with my values as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So felt like last night I said, okay, I am going to say that. Sandra, thank you so much for being here. Oh, you are welcome. I'm so excited to be here. And um, and I will second what you just said, because my message today is going to focus a lot on the spiritual side of things. However, my journey to healing came through making use of the services that are out there. And that is extremely important to recognize that Heavenly Father is here for us, but he's made so many things available to us to help us in our journey. And if we don't use those things, then really we're not giving him the opportunity to heal us. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks, Sandra. Yes. And you know, Sandra sent me her outline and I read through it and we were just going to chit and chat and kind of have like a little interview here about her life and things like that. But when she sent the gospel message that is in her presentation today, I thought, no, I literally said, that's like a golden nail and a golden hammer, and you just hit it. <laughs> and it's such an important message. We all need to hear what you have to say in your message much more than you need to hear me interview her or she and I have a webinar together. So she agreed to just present her message, and I'll interject things as we go if I feel like that would be cool to do, but mostly I want to give her as much time as possible. Um, I've spent some time this morning studying her message, and it is so inspired. And so I'm going to turn the time over to you. All right. Thank you, Karen. Um, well, thank you for having me today. I'm really excited to be here and to share my story. And um, I... I want to start out by really sharing some of my story with you because I want you to know where I am coming from and why I'm so passionate about teaching this. I was born into a home where there was a ton of abuse and abuse of every kind. And um, that led to a lot of really um, low self-esteem issues and self-confidence and just all of those things that happen whenever you grow up in abuse. And I married very young. Um, I was 19, barely. <laughs> and I was actually thinking that my marriage was going to get me away from all of those problems. And, and honestly, when we got married, my husband said to me, I'm really excited to marry you because you've had so many problems already in your life that we've got it made. And so I really disappointed him with that, unfortunately. But, but we got married, and, and 
on my wedding night, um, I kind of had a complete emotional breakdown with memories of my sexual abuse coming back to me. And it was very difficult and obviously created a lot of issues in my marriage from day one. Um, and then within just a few months, I discovered that my husband had actually had a pornography addiction since he was a little boy. He had been introduced to it when he was about five and had been dealing with that for his entire life. And um, so when we finally made it to counseling years later, our counselor said to us, you know, it is a miracle that the two of you have stayed together because porn addicts don't usually make great partners for victims of sexual abuse. <laughs> and so we had struggled and dealt with a lot in our marriage at that point, but we had made it that far. And at that time we'd been married for about 20 years and through all of the issues that had gone on in our marriage, we were also dealing with um, severe depression. I had dealt with depression my entire life and with each of my pregnancies, I became even more depressed and suicidal at times. Um, we had a daughter who was self-harming um, and I ended up taking her out of school and homeschooling her to keep her away from the group that was really influencing her. Um, we also had a child that was born with severe medical issues. We had sons who had gotten into pornography and were dealing with that. Honestly, our children were some of our biggest pains. <laughs> and although I love them to death, they brought about a lot of challenges in our lives. And so when we finally, well, let me tell you this. So um, in 2012, I was actually diagnosed with cancer. And um, I was diagnosed in January and had surgery to have the tumors removed in March, right at the end of March, just before general conference. And whenever I, when we had, when general conference came around, um, I was actually kind of feeling buoyed up and I was really excited for conference and I, was feeling like the cancer, I was gonna to have to go through all the treatments and deal with all of that, but I, I had it. I was sure that I was gonna make it and things were gonna be good. And so conference came and President Iring gave a talk entitled um, Mountains to Climb. And I still remember listening to that talk. I was completely mesmerized from the moment he started talking. And I want to read to you the first couple of paragraphs because when I heard these paragraphs, it took me in so completely that I didn't hear the rest of the talk and I should have kept listening. I'll just tell you that right now. But he said, I heard President Spencer W. Kimball in a session of conference ask that God would give him mountains to climb. He said, there are great challenges ahead of us, giant opportunities to be met. I welcome that exciting prospect and feel to say to the Lord humbly, give me this mountain, give me these challenges. I, my heart was stirred knowing as I did some of the challenges and adversity he had already faced. 
I felt a desire to be more like him, a valiant servant of God. So one night I prayed for a test to prove my courage. I can remember it vividly. In the evening, I knelt in my bedroom with a faith that seemed almost to fill my heart to bursting. Within a day or two, my prayer was answered. The hardest trial of my life surprised and humbled me. That's where I quit listening. And that was a mistake because he goes on to tell us not to do that. But I didn't hear that. What I heard was that he was able to have this faith building experience. And I wanted that. I wanted to have an experience that would draw me closer to the Savior. And so a couple of days later, it was my birthday, and I remember kneeling by my bed and saying those words, <laughs> Heavenly Father, give me a mountain to climb. And in my mind, I was thinking of something like gospel doctrine teacher, because I thought that would be a great way to get closer to the Savior. But like President Eyring, within a couple of days, I had total and complete evidence that God hears and answers our prayers, but he doesn't always do it in the way that we expect. Um, my, I started my treatments for my cancer and immediately they were excruciating. They were very difficult. I had salivary gland cancer and so I was doing radiation treatments and um, I had to have a radiation mask that was put over my face and I was secured to a table while they did it. And I am severely claustrophobic. So it took all of my <laughs> everything <laughs> to get through those treatments. Um, then all of I lost all of my taste buds. I got major burns in my mouth and on my face and my ears and I lost my hair and all of the things that happen with cancer. Um, and it was excruciating. But on day two of those treatments, my oldest son came to us and told us that he was gay. And I was raised by a gay father and had watched my own father die from AIDS. And the thought of watching my son go through something similar was excruciating. And honestly, I was so grateful at that point for the cancer because it, the uh, learning this about my son was just absolutely devastating. And the cancer gave me an excuse to kind of disappear from the world while I dealt with the news of my son. Um, so this was in 2012, as I said, and at that point we had been married for about 25 years. And um, within a couple of months after that, I started having major PTSD attacks associated with my childhood abuse. And then my husband revealed to me that he was still involved in pornography, which I thought had been long gone and we had <laughs> multiple other things happen and within a six month period in 2012 my life had been completely blown apart and um 
my family jokes about that now and says, well, mom, you asked for it. You knelt down and prayed that Heavenly Father would do this to us. And so they all blame me. But, but honestly, it became one of the greatest blessings of our lives. That was what got us into counseling and our entire family ended up in counseling and we made some major changes. And it was a huge, huge blessing that we were able to do that together. Um, so a couple of years later in 2014, I had finally gotten recovered from my cancer and I was um, just really starting to feel better. We were able to pay off our debts that we had accumulated because of the cancer. And we were able to kind of get our lives back in order. And um, as kind of a celebration, we decided to take our kids on a little mini vacation. And um, we had never, my husband was a big ATV fan when he was young, but we had never done that with our children. We had a son who was graduating from high school and getting ready for a mission. And so we decided to rent ATVs and take our kids to the sand dunes down in Southern Arizona because it was something our son had always wanted to do. And it was supposed to just be a, basically a two day trip, go down, have fun, come back. It was Mother's Day weekend. And so we left, we went down there and we had been in the dunes for about two hours when my daughter and I were driving in a Polaris Razor, which is kind of a little dune buggy, and I was teaching her to drive, and she turned the wheel too tight, and the vehicle rolled. My arm flew out of the cab and was crushed by the roll bars and was severed from, so my hand was severed from my arm. And I remember as I was being life flighted out of the dunes that night, being so bitter and so angry. Wow, I didn't know this was gonna make me emotional. I remember that feeling of saying to Heavenly Father, how much more do I have to take? Because at that point, my arm was hanging on literally by a one blood vessel and the four tendons. And I had been told that it would be amputated. And I couldn't imagine how I was gonna deal with life with one hand. And I was so upset that it seemed like our lives had finally become settled down and we were doing okay. And then something else happened and it seemed to be the story of my life. And um, I just remember asking, why me? Why does this have to keep happening? And I call that accident the accident that changed my life because the next morning I woke up and I had a hand and my surgeon had decided to try and save it. And um, it was a very long process. It ended up taking five years and 20 surgeries to reattach and repair my hand. But that morning I had an incredible feeling of peace come over me. And 
I knew that Heavenly Father was giving me an opportunity that I could choose to accept the peace that he was offering in that moment and that I could move forward and make a difference in my life and the lives of others. Or I could continue on the path that I had been on of being angry and bitter and, and cursing him. And I knew in that moment that there was really no judgment attached to it, that Heavenly Father understood how much I had gone through and how difficult it was. But I had a choice and that choice had things attached to it that if I chose the peace, then I had a responsibility to go forward and share that peace with other people. And so since then, I have dedicated my life to helping women who have dealt with hard things and who have, <clears throat> who feel like they are not enough. <clears throat> Excuse me so that I can help them come to understand the power and the peace of the atonement, really, and <clears throat> give them the opportunity to heal their hearts and turn back to God. And so that is where I, where I am today. Um, I went through training to become a life coach, and I love sharing this message of hope and of peace and I feel like it is kind of my calling. And so, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I wrote a book about my story. Um, it's called Severed, A Memoir of Hope and Healing. And it is the journey of my healing. And it's the journey of my healing from my hand. But it's also the journey of healing from the lies that I had told myself my entire life and that had really made me feel like I was not enough. And, um, and so today I want to talk to you about probably the biggest thing that has changed my life. And that is understanding. Oh, Andrea, the power. Andrea, yes. Is that your hand in the picture, your arm? Yes, it is actually. And yeah. You, you wrote all those things on your hand. My husband did. <laughs> He was amazing. So yes, he was very patient and wrote all of that on there. But but I love that picture actually because it is truly a representation of everything that I came to understand and to feel as I went through this healing process. And it was not overnight. As I said, it was a five-year process to reattach my hand. And honestly, I'm still healing today. I'm still learning lessons. I'm still dealing with challenges. And probably if I retook that picture, it would have a lot more things on it. <laughs> I, just, I can't help but think because you said you um, went on this journey to overcome all the lies or sever the lies from you that it kept you in this place of darkness. And I don't know if any of you have ever heard of the, you know, when you like the rice experiment when people cook rice and put horrible words on the bottle of rice and it gets all moldy and terrible and then they have another jar of rice and they put beautiful words like love and kindness and beauty all around the jar and that jar with the nice words stays white and beautiful 
and the one with the yucky words gets awful. That's so interesting. And um, there's also things done with plants like that, um, that you can, you know, people use that to save plants. And anyway, they've just done all these experiments. You can find lots of, if you just Google rice experiment, you'll see something like that. But anyway, I can't help but look at your picture there and think, um, as it pertains to the lies that you are overcoming to heal yourself and this, the beauty of your hand with all of those healing words on it. Yes. And how you not only physically healed, but also emotionally and spiritually healed by addressing lies and putting new labels on your, you know, in your heart and in your mind. Yes. And that is so true. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that is true, Karen. And, and it's interesting too, though, because if you look closely at my hand, um, there, not all of those words are, are the positive ones. And I did that on purpose because my journey wasn't easy. And there were a lot of incredible lessons that I learned, but there were a lot of really difficult things that I had to deal with as well. And it was all mixed together. And I think that that's a really important thing to recognize that our healing journeys aren't easy (laughs) and they're not all pretty, even when we're doing everything we're supposed to be doing. Um, And in fact, that kind of leads me to this because um, my whole life I have had kind of a love-hate relationship with a scripture in 2 Nephi and it's a scripture that every single one of us has memorized, I'm sure. It's 2 Nephi chapter 2, verse 25. And it's Adam fell that men might be, and men are that they might have joy. And every time I heard that scripture, it made me angry (laughs) because quite frankly, I had not experienced joy in my life. And I, I remember the first time I ever went to counseling. I was pretty young. I was only 22 or something, but my counselor asked me, what made me happy? And I couldn't even think of what happy was. I didn't, I literally didn't understand the term. And, um, and so I was, I, this scripture just drove me nuts. I wanted to feel joy and I yearned to feel joy. And I thought that it sounded like a beautiful, wonderful thing, but no matter how hard I tried, it did not seem to be happening. And I even remember as a young mother, I was given a copy of Linda Iyer's book, A Joyful Mother of Children. And just the title made me angry. And to this day, I have absolutely no idea what the book was about. And it was probably a great book, but I threw it away because the title made me so angry because I was not having a good time being a mother of children. And it certainly wasn't joyful. And so the thing is, is that years later, I came, while I was studying, I came to understand this scripture in 2 Nephi. And um, and I came to understand it in a way that was life-changing. And it was something that I wish I had learned much earlier. And I want to share it with you today. And so, again, on the screen, you can see that scripture, Adam fell that men might be, and men are that they might have joy. Um, but I want to talk to you about 
for a minute about the imperfections in the world. And I hope you're going to be able to see it. But I want you to recognize that when Adam and Eve fell, they introduced imperfection into the world. And with that imperfection, it was everything. It was the sins, the mistakes that we make, the trials that we have, the disabilities that we deal with, our adversity, our relationships and the difficulties in our relationships, our children and their problems. I mean, think about that for a minute, because when Adam and Eve fell and introduced adversity into the world, they started having children. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? So there's all these things that were introduced into the world through the fall of Adam and Eve. And what I want you to recognize is that when you think about all of the things that we deal with on a daily basis, okay? So I have this lovely jar here, and I'm going to show you something with this. See my lovely big jar? So I know some people are not going to be able to see this, but I will explain to you what we're doing. So I want you to think about all of the things that happen to us every day. So maybe it's a sin that you commit. Maybe you tell a little lie, right? So that might be like a little tiny M&M, one little M&M that you tell a lie. Or maybe you scream and yell at your children, and that's a little bit bigger. And maybe it's a little darker, and it's something you want to hide from people because it's, you know, not something you're proud of. Maybe it's that you do something really bad. I don't know. Maybe it's a big sin. Or maybe it's a big trial that's introduced into your life that's not even your fault. It's just something that comes to you. So I want you to think about how many times a day you feel pain because of the imperfections that were introduced into the world through Adam and Eve. How many times? So I have no idea how many times you feel pain. And I'm going to just go with the number 10 because it's a really easy number. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that most of us feel pain at least 10 times a day, right? So here's the thing. So maybe our pain is little. And so we have a few things that are, okay, so... That represents all of our little things, okay? And then they, maybe they get a little bit bigger and maybe they are kind of nutty like those. <laughs> maybe they are the dark and the big adversities and things that are really hard. And so we add those. Or I don't know, maybe they're smaller things that are hard, but they're not quite as overwhelming and dark as the other ones. So, and they're really colorful and they add a lot to our lives. I just want to add that in there because our lives would really, really be really boring without this. Maybe they're minty. Minty ones are my favorite. <laughs> so in the end, what I happen to know is that this jar is filled with about 3,000 of these things that we're going to call our adversity, our imperfections, the things that bring us pain, okay? And it's a pretty big jar, right? 
So 3,000 times 10, or 10 times 300 is 3,000, which is about the amount of adversity and trials and imperfections and pain that we might deal with in a year if we were dealing with it 10 times a day, okay? So this is gonna represent a year's worth of our pain, okay? Now, consider the fact that the average life of a human is 80 years. So that means you have 80 of these in a lifetime, all right? And then consider the fact that there are 7.7 billion people on the earth today. Okay, and so that would mean that 7.7 .7 billion times 80, I don't have a clue what that number is. I did not do the math. But what I'm saying is that that's how many of these jars would be sitting around on the earth if our imperfections, our adversities, our pain, our mistakes, our sins, our trials, if those things were visible, there would be billions and billions and billions of these jars sitting around on the earth representing all of that. And the reason I show you that is because I want you to recognize that those things are not a mistake. Heavenly Father didn't forget to take care of those before we came to earth. He didn't just say, oops, wow, I forgot about the things that were going to make them hurt. That was a big problem, <laughs> right? Heavenly Father knew that we were going to deal with sin, with mistakes, with trials, with disabilities, with sickness, with adversity, with our children, with all of the hard things. They are all a part of God's perfect plan of happiness. And so I want you to recognize that going into this conversation, because when we often think of our problems as things that we want to get rid of and things that are painful and that we want to push away. But the reality is those things were given to us for a reason. And Heavenly Father has a plan that includes every single one of those things. And so we often quote that scripture, 2 Nephi 2.25, out of context. And when we do, it can cause a lot of discouragement, at least it did in my life. But this is a really powerful passage that can bring incredible peace when you understand it. So I'm going to start with 2 Nephi chapter 2, verse 24. And it says, um, but behold... All things have been done in the wisdom of him who knoweth all things. And this scripture alone can put a difficult concept into a whole new light. And that is that God knows all things. He understands all things. And so the trials and the adversity that we deal with are meant to be. And they are not a problem for him. I like to put this into the context of a story because when I was little, I had a doll named Angela and Angela was my best friend. And I mean that literally, this was a doll that I carried around with me all the time until, well, honestly, she's sitting in my office right now. 
I still have her. And I don't carry her with me anymore, but she's still my best friend. <laughs> but she's a cloth doll that my mother made, and she got dirty a lot. And when she would get dirty, my mom would take her away from me, and she'd take all the stuffing out, and she'd throw her in the washer. And I would lay by the washer and cry the entire time that she was in there. And it was awful. It was a horrible experience because all I wanted was my doll because she was my comfort. And remember that I was living in a world of extreme turmoil. And so that doll meant everything to me. My mom was completely unruffled by my behavior. She would sit there with me and she would hold me and comfort me and just allow me to be sad. Because what my mother understood that I could not comprehend was that in exactly 47 minutes, the timer on the washer was going to go off and she was going to pull the doll out and she was going to restuff it and she was going to hand it back to me and I was going to be fine. And in fact, the doll was going to be clean and so everything was going to be better. And the reason I use that is because I want us to understand that our trials are similar in that Heavenly Father knows them. They can feel hopeless and they can bring about all kinds of suffering for us, but Heavenly Father is not worried about it because he knows the exact moment when our suffering is going to end and he knows that we're going to be fine and that in fact we are going to be better off for it. And so he comforts us and he guides us and he allows us to have our emotions and to feel whatever we need to feel in order to get through it because he knows that it is actually going to make us better, that it's going to make us stronger and that we're going to be able to better deal with the things in our life, in our lives. So this is his plan. When something is wrong, it is not plan B. It's not that something went wrong. It is plan A. This is the perfect plan of happiness that he prepared for us. And so in 2 Nephi chapter 2, verse 25, again, he says, Adam fell that men might be, and men are that they might have joy. And so the interesting thing in all of this is that when Adam and Eve were placed in the Garden of Eden, they were given two conflicting commandments. And this used to really concern me because I could not understand why Heavenly Father had set them up to fail. Why would he do that to, to children who he loved? But what I recognized was that he didn't set them up to fail. He set them up for adversity because that is what his plan is about. For Heavenly Father, trials don't represent failure. They represent growth. So our lives here on earth were never meant to be easy. They were never meant to be perfect. Instead, they were meant to be filled with trials and adversity. Um, so then the next verse is 2 Nephi 2.26. And it says, and the Messiah cometh in the fullness of time that he may redeem the children of men from the fall. And because that they are redeemed from the fall, they have become free forever, knowing good from evil to act for themselves and not to be acted upon. Save it be by the punishment of the law at the great and last day, according to the commandments which God hath given. So 
the Messiah has come to redeem us from the fall. That means that Christ literally came not just to take care of our sin, but to redeem us from everything that was introduced into the world when Adam and Eve fell. He redeems us from our challenges and our trials and our adversity and our sins and our mistakes and our pain. Because the thing that is so important to recognize, and, and I can't emphasize this enough, but it's that we were not sent to the earth to learn to live perfectly. We were sent to the earth to learn to rely on the Savior perfectly. And when we recognize that, when we understand that, it takes away so much of the pressure that we feel to perform in certain ways. Heavenly Father gave us his son so that we could deal with all of these things, all of this adversity, all of the stuff, right, that we're going to deal with. Christ is here or came to make sure that we could deal with that and be okay in the end. So our challenges, our trials, our adversity, these are all things that allow us the opportunity to turn to Christ. And that is a beautiful thing when you recognize that. So 2 Nephi 2.27, um, it reads, Wherefore, men are free according to the flesh, and all things are given them which are expedient unto man, and they are free to choose liberty and eternal life, through the great mediator of all men, or to choose captivity and death according to the captivity and power of the devil. For he seeketh that all men might be miserable like unto himself. Through Christ, we are free to choose liberty and eternal life. We also are free to choose captivity and death. And that is the beauty of this plan is that we get to choose and heavenly father allows us to choose whatever we are comfortable with but in the end he the atonement has made it possible for us to be able to re, be redeemed from whatever we choose and we are able to be redeemed from the imperfection from the sin from the adversity from the challenges and and i think it's important to recognize that that the atonement is all reaching so it can take care of any of your pain and any of your problems and it's our job to choose to turn to christ now i want to make sure right here just to interject that turning to christ does not necessarily make it all better <laughs> turning to christ doesn't mean that our problems and our challenges are going to go away but turning to him and choosing his peace choosing his hope is what allows us to get through this life without living in constant despair. 
And that is a much better place to live from than living from a place of pain and despair. Um, when we deliberately choose to see trials as part of the perfect plan of our Heavenly Father, then they cease to have power over us because then we see them as a catalyst for growth and for change. And it's kind of like we've made friends with our trials. We've made friends with our challenges and they don't have to be so negative. When we recognize that we always have a choice about the way that we're going to feel, when we recognize that we always have a choice about the way that we're going to act or react, then it becomes an incredible thing because we get to choose. So we get to choose whatever we want to. And, and just like my experience in the hospital, whenever I knew that I could choose peace or I could choose to continue to be miserable and there was no judgment, heavenly father was not going to judge me. And in fact, the atonement was still going to cover either way but you have a choice. You always have a choice in how you react to your adversity. The great truth of mortality is that we absolutely cannot control our circumstances or the actions of other people. We don't get to choose what happens to us most of the time either. However, we absolutely can control how we react to the things that come into our lives. Our agency is what gives us that power. And the story that we create in our minds about our circumstances has incredible power over our lives and over our attitudes. So <clears throat> I would say to you, if you are struggling in your current circumstances, and if you are feeling miserable and despairing, then how long do you want to do that? Because you really do get to choose and there's no judgment. But when you're done, when you're ready, when you are willing to move on, even if the challenges, challenges are still happening, you have the power inside of you to make a choice and to choose peace. So the next verse is 2 Nephi 2.28. And it says, And now my sons, and I would add daughters, I would that you should look to the great mediator and hearken unto his great commandments and be faithful unto his words and choose eternal life according to the will of his Holy Spirit. So I would challenge you to look to the great mediator that is what Christ is. He is our mediator and allow him to heal you. When what I realized is that really it is in our choices that we find joy. So we have that power to have joy and to find joy when we choose to look to the savior and we choose to create that peace in our lives then our lives change for the better, no matter what our circumstances are. So our circumstances may not change, but our thoughts and our feelings and our actions can become aligned with the spirit so that we can find peace. And that is a power that every single one of us has. It is a power that 
is found in consciously making that choice. We always have a choice about what we think and what we feel, no matter what is going on in our lives. And recognizing this power within each one of us gives us complete control over our lives. I, um, I actually want to share with you something that it's not in my notes, but it just kind of came to me that um, about, I guess it's been, well, I guess it was just this year. It was in February, maybe, maybe it was February last year. I've spent a lot of the last five years drugged. So sometimes time gets away from me, but anyway, so I was writing my book and um, I wanted to interview my surgeon because there were so many things that I knew had gone on behind the scenes that I wasn't really aware of. And I needed to understand those things in order to really tell the story. And so I went, I made an appointment with him and asked him if we could talk. And so we went out to lunch one day and I asked him if there were one of the many things I asked him, but I asked him if there were any things that he had learned from my hand, from putting together my hand and going through this whole experience with me. Um, you know, what had he learned? What was significant to him? And he told me there were two things that he learned from me. One of them was a medical thing that he, it was something brand new that no one had ever tried and he tried it on me and, and it worked. And he said, I'm in all kinds of medical books now. And apparently that's a really cool thing. But <laughs> the other thing that he told me was what was significant to me. And it was that he said, when he does major surgery, he said, he usually figures that the outcome will be about 50% what he does on the operating table and 50% what the patient does in their recovery. But he said, for you, talking to me, he said, your recovery has been more like 25% what I did and 75% what you did. And that was significant. And initially when he said that, I thought, okay, well, that makes sense because my hand was off. And I have a hand today that works pretty well. And so I kind of had it backwards and I was thinking, well, yeah, he did 75% of the work. I only just did whatever he told me to do. And that made sense. And, and then it hit me that he had actually said the opposite, that it was 25% what he did and 75% what I did. And I said, okay, explain that because I don't understand. And he said, from the time you woke up in the hospital the day after we decided to do this, your attitude was that you were going to do whatever was necessary to get back the use of your hand and that it did not matter how much it hurt, how much pain there was, how much you were going to have to go through. You were determined to have your hand. And he said, the thing that I have learned from you that is more important than anything else is that people who choose to have a good attitude in the face of their trials will always come out better than people who don't. And he said, medically, he actually never believed that he could save my hand. <laughs> I was a total experiment. 
He said, really, with all of the complications that we have had, you should have lost your hand. And yet you have it today. And that was such a powerful thing to me in recognizing that we have so much power within us that we can choose to make of our lives whatever we want to make of them. And it gave me a huge sense of gratitude for that experience of understanding that I could choose, that I could choose how I was going to react to this horrible situation in my life. And something that it really taught me is that um, we can live our lives with hindsight, which many of us do, or we can live our lives with foresight. We can decide that, um, that there's something we are going to make out of our challenges and that there is something that we want in our future. And we can look at the cir circumstances that are presented to us and decide what we are going to do with them and then work towards that instead of allowing things to just kind of fall on us. And that has been a very powerful thing for me is recognizing that I can have foresight and determine what I want instead of looking back at my challenges with hindsight and seeing what I learned. <clears throat> it's also really important to recognize that I only have power over one person and it's me. And you only have power over yourself. As much as we want to change our husbands and our children and the people around us, we don't have that power. Heavenly Father can work on their hearts and make changes for them. But what we can do is love them and, and then turn ourselves toward the Savior and work on ourselves. But with Heavenly Father as our partner, we can choose what we want our lives to look like in the future, and we can work towards that vision. The decisions of other people, the choices of other people are not in our control. And it is important to recognize that peace is actually found in surrender. Um, I know that I'm almost out of time. And so I am going to just if you'll take like four more minutes. Okay. Um, so years ago, I was meeting with a state president for something and I told him some things about my abuse and he asked me if I could get rid of all of the challenges, all of the trials, all of the abuse, would I? And I gave that some serious thought, but in the end, the answer that I gave was no, that I wouldn't. Because as I look at my life, I feel like the testimony that I have of the Savior has come from the challenges and the trials that I've had to deal, deal with. And I had a conversation recently with a friend of mine about this, and I told her about this conversation with the state president, and it was interesting because she argued with me. And 
she said, well, I've, I have a testimony and I have a relationship with the savior and I haven't had to deal with nearly as many trials as you. And I think that her point was that no matter what our circumstances are, we can develop a relationship with heavenly father. And that is true. And that is a wonderful thing. And we are all his children. But for me, I have become grateful for the particular trials that I have had to deal with for the very personal understanding of the atonement that they have given me. And I think that the Lord doesn't necessarily give us trials, but I think that he uses our trials to teach us the lessons that we need to learn on a very personal level. And maybe I'm wrong, but I find peace in knowing that there is purpose behind my suffering. I find peace in knowing that Heavenly Father can use the things that I'm going through to teach me and to help me to become a better person and to draw closer to him. Um, Viktor Frankl is a Holocaust survivor and he said something that I have always loved and it's very simple and many of you have probably heard it, but he says, in some ways, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds meaning. And I think that that is something that we can take away and remember that our suffering is hard and I don't want to diminish that at all, but we also can choose that we also can choose to find the meaning behind the suffering. I don't know if I had to suffer through my particular trials in order to learn the lessons that I've learned, but I choose to believe that there is meaning behind those things. And I also choose to believe that I have the power to choose how my trials are going to affect my life. And for me, that has brought incredible peace. And so the message that I leave with you today is that you get to choose, that we are here to have joy. And Heavenly Father has made that possible through the atonement. And so today I would challenge you to look at your life and to start making your choices consciously, to decide how you're going to react to the challenges and the struggles and the trials that we all deal with. And remember, that those are part of his plan. Remember that they are here on purpose, that they're not a mistake, that it's not something that he forgot to take care of. So that is my message. Ah, beautiful message. Thank you so much, Sandra. I just You're welcome. I'm sitting here thinking I can't help but think how great, how much more gratitude that understanding gives you for yes. the Savior. Definitely, definitely. Sisters, what's on your mind? <laughs> so I'm just curious, how do you go from wanting to wrangle their necks and throw them in a corner to loving them unconditionally because that's something I am working on continually. It's constantly in my prayers, asking Heavenly Father to please let him love me or I love him unconditionally, but I'm having a really hard time. With I, it, I will say that it's not necessarily easy 
Um, I think that the key is in recognizing that, well, something I didn't share in my presentation was that at some point I realized that my job as a parent was truly to love my children. And that is really my most important job that um, I teach them and I want them to understand my values and I want them to have that base for themselves. But in the end, our children get to choose. They get to choose the life that they want to have. And so for me, it came in surrender. It came in recognizing that I had to look at my children as individuals, as people who were living their own journey. And I could do everything that I could do as a mom and teach and, and you know, create rules and do all of those things, but that I didn't have to do it with anger. I didn't have to do it with resentment, that I could totally do it with love. And when I started looking for ways to make love my motive rather than making discipline my motive or making other things my motive, when, when love became my motive, it made it easier for me to deal with all of those things that they throw at us because they throw it all. And, and just for your information, everybody, my children are still doing it. <laughs> my life has not gotten better. <laughs> so I understand, but I think it really is in focusing on that love. And, you know, how do you get to that point? It's really looking at your children, trying to see them the way that God sees them, trying to see them with his love and with his eyes. Yeah, is there anything that you have done for examples on how you surrendered? It really has been a shift in my mindset. I mean, as to give you a physical things, no, I can't say that I have, but I'll tell you this. Um, and this was probably, probably one of the biggest things that really shifted my mindset. Um, so I, my child that I told you came out as gay whenever I was diagnosed with cancer, um, is now transgender and, um, is transitioning to become a woman. And that has been something that has been really difficult to deal with, obviously. However, in, in that experience, um, you know, for me personally, the transgender experience is something I don't understand. I don't understand it on any level, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me. But I know my child and I know that she is a good person and she has an incredible heart. And I know that Heavenly Father loves her. And before having a transgender child, I would have looked at the transgender community with a lot of judgment and with a lot of, um, you know, just I would have had some really strong opinions about who they were just based on that. 
but as because I now have a transgender child and I know my child and I know who she is and what her heart is, I look at the transgender community completely different. And the way that I look at them is that every single one of them has a mother out there who loves them unconditionally. It doesn't matter who they are or what they've done. They have a mother who loves them unconditionally. And when I'm able to look at them as a child of a mother, then it changes my perspective. And when I look at my own children <laughs> as children rather than porn addicts or a transgender person or someone who's cutting or the myriad of other things we've dealt with, when I strip away those labels and I see them as children of God, and I look at, you know, I think of how I felt about them when they were babies, when they were still pure and innocent. It changes the way that I see them in the moment today. And I really think it is that just being able to strip away that judgment. And, you know, I know it's hard because we feel so strongly about pornography and the damage that pornography can do or about you know self-harming or all of the things that we're all dealing with but they're still our children and we still love them and our heavenly father still loves them and again you know the thing that that is so powerful is in recognizing that the savior has already taken care of this. The savior has already taken care of every single problem that we are dealing with today. And frankly, your love of your son will go much further than your anger. Your love will go much further than any other thing that you can do for him or give to him. And so while you still have to deal with it, you still have to take away the phones, you still have to, you know, deal with all of the problems, but I think it's really important to just recognize that it is trying to see them with unconditional love. And I I don't know if that's helpful or not, but that's really No, it's it's what I've been trying to work on. Um and and what you said is helpful is continuing the thought process in my brain. Yeah. So it's just so hard when I'm in the moment that satanic spin just goes and I try and stop it, but it, yeah. it's hard to stop. No, and Thank it you. is hard to stop. And and I think that the the thing to really recognize is that it is repetition that makes it easier. You know, and for when I'm working with clients who are dealing with things and they are trying to change their mindset or trying to love someone or trying to do whatever, I encourage them to set alarms on their phone that, you know, go off every two hours that say whatever, whatever the message is you need. I love my son no matter what, <laughs> you know, or make a sign and put it in on your refrigerator that says, my children, our children of God, or whatever it is you need. But really, truly, it is in repetition. It is in feeding yourself the messages that you want to believe 
that you are able to more quickly change and have those messages become more second nature. I have a question. Yes. Thank you, Sandra. Like I love you so much. And I love your thought about making friends with your challenges <laughs> and turning it into something that's almost a pathway to to interact with the world in a better way and help people. It's Thank great. You. My question is like when you're going through all these physical things like recovering from your hand injury and cancer and and you you must have been in a position where you couldn't do things that you wanted to do to manage your life to manage your family yeah, <laughs> like how did you sense. just how did you deal with that um what yeah what did you learn through that just having to not be able to do what you wanted to do Honestly, that was probably the most powerful lesson in surrender that I was given. And, you know, if, if I was really going to give you an answer about how to surrender and love your family, it would be to cut off your hand. And I say that with all seriousness. <laughs> I don't recommend it. But the thing is, is that in, in that, I mean, literally... I went from being a manager of a, <clears throat> excuse me, a manager of a company with several employees and dealing with five children. And I was the gospel doctrine teacher at the time to being able to do nothing. I could not get out of bed by myself. I had a nurse coming in to take care of me, to bathe me, to do my hair, to do whatever. You know, I didn't drive for almost a year. So I was completely dependent on other people. And the lesson that that taught me was that our families, <laughs> this is a hard one and people like to argue with me, but our families don't actually need us. <laughs> and, and this goes to what I just said, what our families need more than anything from us is our love. Because if today one of you cut off your hand and you could do nothing else but love them, that love would go further than all of the other things that you had done for them. And so I, my family bought me a chair that sat in the middle of our family area and I sat there. And honestly, it was the greatest blessing of my life because they came, didn't know this was going to make me emotional, but they came and sat and talked. And I got to know my children in a way that I had never known them before because I was there. I was just there. And I was able to listen with no other distractions. I was able to just be. And in doing that, it changed the relationships and change the way that we interacted with each other. And it, it changed the way that I looked at them because at the time I still, my kids were still pretty young. I mean, they were teenagers, they were young teenagers, but, um, but they made it without me. They made it completely without me. And that really taught me that I had been doing so much for them. And in some ways I had been holding them back 
because they were able to do whatever they needed and get their own needs met. And I could just be their mom and love them. Did I actually answer your question in that yeah, answer? I, that <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, that helps a lot. Love that. Do you want anything to say? Do you have anything more to say about fear or anything, Sandra? What we know about fear and love is that they don't reside well together. And so the more fear we have, the less we are able to love. And I think that's a really important thing to recognize. And, and it's, I don't know. I mean, it's not easy. The peace that I feel has come from recognizing that the heavenly father is the one who's really in charge. And, and no matter what I do for my children, I really can't change them or their decisions. I really, truly have zero control. And as mothers, we, we feel like we want to have control. And sometimes we even believe that we do have control. But the reality is that we don't. And so the more we are able to recognize that we don't have control, and that we really can't do anything to change our children and what they're doing, the more we are able to just simply love them. And one of the things, Connie put this in the chat, one of the things that I recognized at some point was that for me at least, and I can't say that this is true for everyone, but what my husband and I feel like was kind of revealed to us was that we will be held accountable, not for our children's decisions, but for whether or not they're kept close to our family. And that more important than making sure that they are making the decisions that we believe are right, it was that we needed to make sure that they knew they were loved. That no matter what they did, no matter where their lives take them, they will always have a place where they can feel loved and accepted for who they are. And that's hard when they are doing everything they can to make life difficult for themselves and for the family. It's hard, but letting go of that fear and just being able to love is a powerful thing. And honestly, I think it's a powerful thing in not just for our own peace, but it's powerful in helping them to want to change and to want to be the things that we have taught them to be. Thank you. I, Sandra, I was just going to thank you. And I just, as I listened and I, um, to the challenges and the things that you've been through, I was just so overcome with like, I guess, um, I don't, personally know anyone that has been through as hard of things as you have and I sat there thinking about that and I thought you know isn't it interesting because because of all of your travels that you've been through the things you say to us I almost felt like it was like comparing it to the savior someone that really understands because you know take one of your themes and I just think oh my heavens that would that's more than one person can handle, but then you just kept sharing the things you've been through and it just made so much, I don't know, it just touched me so much that because of your 
ability and willingness to learn and to grow through your themes, how many people you're able to help because um, you really get it. You know, like listening to someone who's been through so much, you feel a different, um, I don't know. It, it was just very powerful to me. Like she totally gets it. Like she has conquered and you have this empathy that is incredible. So I just wanted to thank Sandra for your thoughts. It was so powerful to me um, and for sharing all those experiences because that added the power to me of, you know, thanks for, sorry you had to go through all that, but thank you for sharing your experiences with us today. It was amazing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I do understand if there's, if there's anything that I can say, it is that, that I do understand and I know it's hard and I, I would not want my message today to diminish that because it is painful and hard and trying and I still have those days too, but it is again, it's in the choice. It is in choosing how you want to live and what you want to feel and, and then creating that for yourself. And that for me is what has brought so much peace into my life. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. No matter what we have suffered, he is the source of healing. We must come unto him and allow him to work his miracles. By Sister Jean B. Bigham. Thank yeah. you so much, Sandra. Um, this has been such a gift for us. We express our appreciation and gratitude for you and our love for you coming and sharing with us today. Thank you. Well, thank so you. Much. Love you, gals. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers Who Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Did They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. The Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA eight young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. And The Clark and Linda Show, a courageous couple that shares their journey of pornography addiction and how that affected their marriage and family. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under MothersYouKnow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know. And on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know last if you would like additional support and training please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms you can also go to the mothers who know website at mothers or our parent company life-changing services at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones And by the way, if you do enroll in a program, use our promo code M 
WK on the enrollment form to get $25 off a Sense of Human intake session. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.